This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Second hour of Seattle Sports Tonight right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Coming up at 8.30, it's time for crazy Seahawks prediction season. They're starting to trickle in, Uh-oh. including somebody out there saying that the Seahawks are going to finish 6-10 and 10 this season. Mm. I felt so self-important finding this and sending it to you guys. Yeah, you, you texted us this and then rattled off like four <laughs> or five extra texts after this. I don't know what I was doing. I was bored, and all of a sudden I was looking up all of the old versions of what I sent uh-huh. you. No spoilers. Well, I mean, you sent it to us on a night that we didn't have a show, and I felt like you were trying to get out what you would have said on air oh, yeah. to us in the text. Thankfully, and I, I, I we, like the passion that I saw. Yeah, thankfully we're able to say it now. So Stacy's gonna she's gonna hop on the mic at eight thirty. Really, mm-hmm. really say it with chest. Okay, get into it, and and let this fellow from ESPN let it know loose. what's what. I want to see right? Angry Stacy. I haven't seen that's exactly what's going to You've never seen Angry Stacy? We haven't seen Angry Stacy. No. You saw me after the Game of Thrones finale. That was it, sad, Stacy. Yeah, you, but you weren't angry. No. That hasn't come out yet. So right. we'll, we'll see what you got. I'm excited to see it if, if it does happen. Uh, Pete Carroll, he spoke to the media yesterday for the first time after the second wave of free agency has happened. So Ziggy Yonsa, he is now a Seahawk. Other guys like Al Woods, they're Seahawks as well. Uh, but the big story right now, as we talked about a lot in the first hour, is Bobby Wagner and his negotiations. And Pete was asked just how are the negotiations going with Bobby, and here's what Pete had to say. If you watched this, as you have, you know, all throughout the offseason, there's been a process of step-by-step, step, and, and uh, we're right in stride with the process. Bobby's been great. Everything's going to come together in time, and, and uh, I think you guys should just have everything's in order, and we're in order with what we want to do. And, and uh, feels very comfortable and very amicable and all of that, so everything's going just right. It feels like Pete was, like, trying to go around – like exactly what he wanted to say. That's typical, Pete. Yeah, by by saying like it's amicable and we're we're stride for stride, we're step by step with Bobby. Whereas what we've heard from Bobby kind of sounds like there is they're apart in their negotiations. Right. Where Bobby clearly wants to beat C.J. Mosley's deal, and the Seahawks and Pete Carroll and and John Schneider they are kind of like now hold up, Bobby. Like wait just a minute, let's let's really think this through. Right. I, look, that's the side of it: organization uh, versus player. That's the way that it's going to be handled. the The interesting part about it is just kind of like it was for Russell Wilson's side of it was that there was talk that neither side had negotiated. The Seahawks and John Snyder said, "Wait a minute, yes, we have. No, we haven't." So there's been a little bit of disconnect in, in some of those aspects. But I would say that. Bobby initially did say that they didn't have any negotiations. Also, in that same presser, Bobby came out yesterday and said, yes, we have had you know some minor conversations to this point, and, and we're trying to get things going. So I, I think that you have to be encouraged by that and hope that conversation can increase and heat up uh, and ultimately get done by the end of OTAs, by the end of June. That is my hope and my goal. Now, one of the new guys brought in in free agency, this wasn't in the second wave, this was in the very first wave, was Mikey Apati, a guy who Seahawks fans are incredibly familiar with because for the better part of a decade now, he's been in the NFC West. 
again, playing for the 49ers and playing for the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Somebody, you know, two teams that the Seahawks are intimately familiar with. Uh, bringing in Yapati is a is a big move because you don't have J.R. Sweezy here anymore. You had to fill that void, and whether they were going to do that in the draft or, or fill it in house, they decided Mikey Potty's our guy. He's a former All Pro lineman. And the problem with Yupati over the last couple of years and why he was available and why the Seahawks were able to get him cheap is that he has not been able to stay healthy. He has not been a guy who's been able to put together a full season. But yesterday, Pete saying that Yupati really stood out to him. Mike's the guy who jumped off the film to me in, yesterday. First time we had a chance to see him, you know, come off the ball and, and see his feet, see how he moves and all. You know, Mike's a big man, you know, he's 345 pounds and, and carries it well and Always has been a guy that we've respected tremendously for the toughness, but I just I didn't appreciate him until I saw him with our guys. Um, he's going to fit in beautifully for us. You know, the plan is he's playing on the left side. That's where he's most comfortable, and we just got a little bit bigger, you know, and, and uh, tougher. And, and I'm thrilled that he's here. He, he's off to a great start. We got to take care of him, make sure that we we you know temper our way about our excitement about him, and, and make sure that he's healthy for the season and all that. And away we go. I looked at Mikey Potty, and I knew of the player and, and who he is and, and the tremendous player that he is. But, man, seeing him up close and personal and seeing that offensive line and what it looks like now, those five those five guys across the board, they are massive. Massive. I mean, at 345 pounds, Mikey Potty, it, it changes that whole dynamic of that group. And I said it uh, yesterday with Stacy on John Clayton, Mikey Potty is an upgrade over J.R. Sweezy. This was interesting to me, Jake. Tell me he, why you think that. The reason why is because he is a better all-around player. J.R. Sweezy brought great toughness and attitude to this team, but he was a pure run run blocker, run grader, and Mikey Potty is just as effective in the run game as J.R. Sweezy. Where he is better is in the pass blocking. He is much better of a player and a better overall player than J.R. Sweezy. J.R. Sweezy was good for at least two or three big whiffs in the course of a game. Uh, guaranteed. I mean, it was going to happen. And, and Mike Potty is very sound and knows exactly how to play the game. This was an all-pro uh, type of player. It's just a matter of whether he can stay healthy or not. And if this group can stay healthy, if Mike Potty can stay healthy, this is going to be a heck of a run, and I believe, that the, they will be able to recapture their number one rushing attack and be even better in their pass pro. The Seahawks last offseason, they brought in Mike Solari to coach up the offensive line to take over from Tom Cable, and we're just a little over a year removed from that. And you can see his thumbprints all over this offensive line. It is so much different night and day compared to what it was under Tom Cable. And Pete spoke yesterday about how Mike Upati has benefited from already having played under Solari. Mike, I think he would tell you he's one of his favorite coaches he ever had, and they, they hit it off well in the past. And and uh, as as we benefited from DJ also last year, having played for Mike, you know that Mike's got a unique style in the, in the things that he demands of his players and all, and, and it, it helps to have background, and, and uh, both Mike and DJ have benefited from that. Can either of you remember a Seahawks coach that has gotten so much glowing praise in less than what a full calendar year, or maybe a little over a full calendar year from <laughs> from, from joining the organization, uh, he's given like, he's given a lot of praise to a lot of different guys uh, for sure. Showered a lot of love on guys, but I think for Mikey Potty, it's it's genuine. Yeah, you you see a guy like him and his talent and his caliber, 
it is surprising to get a player under the contract that he's under, but it's for a reason. It's because he has not been able to sustain a healthy season since 2012. If he was able to do that, guys, he would be an all-pro player. He'd be making money that— He'd be Hall of Fame caliber. It, it, exactly. And so I think it's a huge opportunity for for the Seahawks organization to have a player like Mike Upati and hope that— Mike Solari can, again, get the best out of him like he was able to do with the 49ers and that this this guy, this giant man, can stay healthy and they've got to make sure that they do everything that they can uh, to keep an eye on his reps during this offseason, these OTA periods, and really make sure that they take care of him during this time. I'm going to take a little bit of a left turn, too, just getting to some of the rest of what Pete Carroll had to say. Uh, he mentioned Rashad Penny, who is someone I know a lot of folks we're looking at, wondering what he would look like coming back. Said he looks great. Um, he looks great. He looks great. He's, he's fast. He's lean. He, he looks like uh, the offseason that he put forth and then also what he's done with our guys has been working right on point. Um, he's doing really well. You're always going to say that someone you have a lot of draft capital invested in, maybe you won't always say he looks great, but you're always going to hope he does, and you're always going to give him a lot of bites at the apple. And... Um, I, I do think it helps for him that he came in at least in shape. It, it helps for him that Chris Carson uh, is out. Him and mm-hmm. Travis Homer got a lot of looks uh, the other day. I think, you know, another thing he talked about, and this is more injury-related, when he was updating us on Chris Carson, Bradley McDougald, he was asked about Ziggy Ansah. Now, Jake, we've talked about this at length, Ziggy Ansah's shoulder, what that timeline's going to look like. Right. Now, Carroll did say, yeah, he, he has a chance to play during the season when he was asked about that. But um, the impression I got from him was that that timeline uh, right now hasn't changed, but that they aren't too worried about it. Here's what Pete had to say about where Ansa is in his rehab process. Where he is, he's uh, in the process. You know, he's, he's got a long process to get back. His attitude is great. He's working every day. He's in, involved in all phases of everything that's going on in the training room and with, with strength and conditioning. Um it's just going to take a while, you know, and, and we'll see. We won't know until we get back after the break, until we get to camp really to see how far along we are able to get them. Um, and then we'll see what camp tells us. So uh, I can't tell you anything more than we just got to wait and see. But he's doing everything he can, and we're all on it and, and really fired up about him being here. Again, that kind of fell in line with me with what John Clayton was saying about his timeline, which is this is expected to go into camp and into the preseason and maybe week one or two. And so that was the tone that Carroll had that kind of matched up with what I thought. Yeah, this is all about how well Ziggy's rehab is going to be. There's not a clear timeline. And Ziggy talked about it as well as, look, I don't have an exact timeline. It's day to day. And so this could go better than expected. It could be delayed. It could be right on schedule. They don't know. And so this is going to be up to Ziggy and and the training staff to work diligently on getting him as ready as possible. And and so as quickly as possible. So Ziggy's going to be in there every single day. He was running out there on the field. He's just not going to be doing any sort of contact through this period of time because his shoulder can't hold up and take it right now. But it's going to be an, an interesting two months. This is the most important two months for Ziggy Ansa, not only for him uh, in the Seahawks' upcoming season, but this is ultimately for Ziggy Ansa and his trajectory yeah. as a football player in the National Football League. So I'm not nervous about Ziggy and his desire, his work ethic, to get himself right over these next two months. If the Seahawks don't add another pass rusher in free agency, don't even tell Jake that. I know, I know. That's those are those are fighting words for Jake. <laughs> but would that? 
be encouraging news on the health of Ziggy Ansah when it makes it look like, mm-hmm. oh, he could be ready by week one. I would read more on availability and free agency and what you see that feels worth it. I don't know. What do you feel, Jake? Uh, I, look, I think that they should have been doing this now. Uh, I, I would have loved to have seen them add another person anyways. Um, but if they add one late going into training camp, then, yeah, that would that would get alarm bells going off for me. About oh, if they Z- added one? Yeah, yeah, if they add one yes. late going into training camp. If, if they don't, then uh, I, I think that it, everything does point well to Ziggy and how he's going uh, in his rehab. And if they added one now, however, Curtis, it would not uh, give me alarm. It would just give me excitement to add and bring more competition in. But if you add one late just before training right. camp or during training camp, without any other injuries going on, then yeah, that probably means that Ziggy's rehab is getting going a little slower than what they would have wanted. So th- th- this this team is, they're not done yet. They've got a lot of cap space left. Even if they do sign Bobby, they got Jaron Reed coming down the pipe. They've got a lot of cap space left for 2019. And so if they don't do anything here in phase three, I know phase four, which is really training camp and after the preseason, after those final cuts, they're going to move and 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 manipulate that roster one more final time and they could end up picking up an impact player uh during that period of time so uh, it's exciting to see where the roster is now um, but it will we'll ultimately see how it goes when it comes down to week one speaking of late roster additions the huskies they made one last night to their basketball team Jaden mcdaniels he is on his way to the Huskies. So how does his commitment alter the basketball team's expectations in 2019 and beyond? We answer that question next. Curtis Rogers, Stacey Ross, Jake Heap, Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. You can listen to Seattle Sports Tonight via the 710 Sports app. It's driven by your Puget Sound Acura dealers. Coming up at 845, we will take any and all of your questions. Text those to the Coors Light text line 710-710. Ask us anything that's coming up at 845 tonight. And then also in Big If True, that's coming up at 830. It's time for some crazy Seahawks predictions, and we've got one for you coming up at 830 that includes the Seahawks finishing not just out of the playoffs, but with a six and ten record, unbelievable in twenty nineteen. Mm. So, stay tuned can't for that. Can't wait to find out who that was from. <laughs> but uh, yesterday, last night, in the thick of the night, Jaden McDaniels of Federal Way announced his commitment to the Washington Huskies basketball program. It's class of twenty nineteen. He's a five star forward, ranked number seven according to ESPN in the entire class of twenty nineteen. Couple him with. Isaiah Stewart, who's ranked number three in the entire class, and all of a sudden you're bringing in one of the best recruiting classes, maybe the best recruiting class in the school's history. And it's a far cry from where the Huskies were the last two seasons when you had a very veteran-laden roster with guys who went four years deep. You had Noah Dickerson here, David Crisp, Matisse Thibel, all these guys who spent four years in the program, two under Romar, two under Coach Hopkins, whereas Jaden McDaniels and Isaiah Stewart, I would be absolutely shocked and floored if either one of these guys stays beyond this upcoming season. These are guys that have NBA-level playing abilities right now, that if they went to the league, you could see them 
either on a bench or maybe even in a starting lineup somewhere. I say, I bring this up because 2019, the 2019-2020 season is going to be the first in a long time for the Huskies that they enter a year with lofty expectations. Mm-hmm. The last two years, Hopkins and company, they were playing with house money because they weren't playing with their guys. Right. They were playing with Renzo Romar's guys. They were playing with dudes that they did not recruit, and yet they were able to get back-to-back respectable seasons, back-to-back Pac-12 Coach of the Year titles for Coach Hopkins. This year, I look at this Husky team, if they don't get to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, when you bring in this caliber of players to go with the guys who you've already got, and then, oh, by the way, they're adding Quad A Green, a former McDonald's All-American, who's going to be the team's starting point guard this season, transfer from Kentucky. Like the amount of talent that's being brought in, anything less than a trip to maybe the Sweet 16 is going to be a disappointment this season. And now all of a sudden, the the um, urgency with Mike Hopkins to win at Washington. I think if you replicate what you did this season where you lose in the second round of the tournament, I think that could end up being a disappointment to Husky fans. I agree with you. This is an opportunity for Mike Hopkins to take this program to the next level. While the Arizonas of the world, I'm sorry, Curtis, are down, the UCLA's of the world and the Pac-12 are down, Washington has a clear opportunity to set themselves up for greatness not only now but in the future. And, And so with Mike Hopkins landing, McDaniels and Stewart, the number three and number seven overall recruits in the country, one from New York, by the way, and the other one local, it says a lot. And you added length, you added talent already on a group that when you put those two guys together, along with the other talented players that you have on your roster, this is going to be a an exciting season for the Washington Huskies. And what this is going to show for Mike Hopkins is, can he develop, can he bring in uh, uh, talented one-year players and turn them into elite college basketball players? Because that's a tough transition, going from high school and, and fitting a player into your college system. You see it all the time with Kansas and Duke and Kentucky and all those types of uh, uh, schools. It's not always easy. It, no. it, it's not always a plug-and-play, and it fits perfectly. So this is also going to be a challenge for Mike Hopkins in terms of his coaching acumen to be able to not only establish a great program that can churn out great four-year players, but also showing future recruits, future top five prospects that, hey, we can turn you into the player that you need to be and get you in and out, primed and ready to be a lottery pick uh, the next year coming around. And so for a lot of reasons, I'm with you, Curtis. This is a huge year and a huge challenge for Mike Hopkins coming up this season. I think this year's recruiting class really signals a change in how Mike Hopkins wants to build his program because I think he recognizes that if you're going to compete with the Dukes and the Kentuckys and the Kansases and the Arizonas of the college basketball world, you're going to have to play their game. And, I mean, yeah, there are times where you see other programs like this year. Virginia, they won the national championship with a very veteran-heavy roster, and they beat a Texas Tech team that also had a bunch of veterans on it. But more often than not, you find Duke and Kansas and Kentucky and North Carolina in the national championship game. And I think this says to the college basketball world, 
that Washington wants to get to that level. They're not going to be these cute programs, I guess, like Virginia, who play a very niche brand of basketball where they're slowing it down and the first team to 40 points wins. Mm -hmm. And it's not very appealing to watch on TV, but it's effective and it gets wins. I think it signals to the college basketball world that, like, hey, Washington wants to be among those kinds of programs, and if they're going to compete at that level, they're going to have to recruit at that level. Correct. And, and I think this is where the Huskies are right now. This is a, they want to be. And again, when you look at it, this is a huge opportunity for Washington, uh, again, to show that they can that they can turn the corner and be one of those elite programs, that they can get those type of prospects year in and year out. It's one thing to do it once or twice. It's another thing to be able to consistently recruit at that level. And for Mike Hopkins to be able to pull from the other side with obviously his connections in New York, being a coach at Syracuse for so long, landing a prospect like Stewart who is from New York, that not only tells you that you can recruit on the West Coast, but you can recruit nationally. And so when you talk about Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Arizona, some of you know the bigger uh, powerhouse schools in college basketball, they can recruit anywhere across the country. And if Washington can turn into one of those programs, it is going to be fun to watch, and Mike Hopkins is going to ascend himself into the coaching elite ranks. So this is an exciting time. This is an exciting time for them. And like you said, there are more expectations on him now than ever before. He got a free pass these first couple years. He's been able to establish his program. He's been able to play on, as you've said, house money and be able to uh, restart this thing, turn it around faster than anybody could anticipate. Now what can you do when you're able to recruit some of the best in the country? This is You are not going to have a lack of talent. It's going to be what can you do with the talent now that you have it. Absolutely. Now, Stacy, I came into work today fired up about this. Yeah, you did. I came up to you because I told you, Stacy, I had this great comparison to make about Jaden McDaniels and about the Huskies and, and about kind of the, the the group of college basketball fans that think one-and-done players are ruining the game. They are they're the worst thing to ever happen to college basketball. That's the worst get, thing? Get a, exactly. Like, you got the FBI breathing down schools' necks, and this right. is the worst thing that's ever happened. Uh, to me, I, I look at it like, you know how, like a new app comes out, and you've got friends that are on it, and they're having a good time, and you look at them like, I don't need another app on my phone. Like, I'm good with what I got. Like, I don't need more fun in my life. What? Like, you can't afford more space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then you get a little taste of it, which is what the Huskies got. In signing Isaiah Stewart. And and when I say group of friends, I mean like the Kansases and the Kentuckys and the Arizonas and the Dukes of the world. So they're your course, friends, but they think they're better than you? Exactly. And, and the Huskies <laughs> looked at, Husky fans, a lot of them, looked at those programs like, oh, we don't, we don't need one and dones here. We're a, we're a higher learning educational That's you institute. thinking, my friends are more popular than me, but I'm smarter. Exactly. And they're going to be working in the mall. Yeah. And That's then you... Them. When you download that app for the very yeah. first time, and you're like, okay, this is all right, that's when the Huskies signed Isaiah Stewart earlier this year. Ah. And that's their first little taste of it. And you know how when you get that first taste of the app and you're like, okay. Yeah. Fast forward a couple of months. Yes. 
you are buying like $2 add-ons, you're using different filters in this app, you are all about it. You're playing it at the table and restaurants. Like this is everything that you could have ever imagined. You're embracing it. You're fine with it. That is the signing of Jaden McDaniels last night. I believe it. That's a perfect, perfect analogy. The Huskies have gone completely in on the one-and-done culture. And and you look at next year's recruiting class, Marjon Beauchamp, he is a a big-time recruit in this state. He's The Huskies are calling his name. What you're saying is the Huskies are going to be in on playing a game that they thought was pretty dumb. Yeah, exactly. Well, here's the thing. One, the Huskies couldn't never play that game. For a yeah. long time, they could never play that game. They tried. They tried. but Markel Fultz and Tony Roten right, and but all here, those guys. Here's the thing. One, you could never play that game and consistently win at that game. Secondly, you had a coach in Lorenzo Romar who did not have great structure. Everything that I have heard about that program under Lorenzo Romar was not a program that uh, could handle those types of players, meaning that when you go to a Duke when you go to a Kentucky, when you go to Kansas, you are going to get rid. You're going to get ridden hard and coached hard and pushed to your limits. And you've got a coach that grinder. is not going to let anything go. He's going to be on you every single day, from your classroom work to the practice uh, to the court. Uh, he is going to be making sure that you are reaching your peak level. Because if you don't, everybody's pointing to the coach as you're the failure. Lorenzo Romar kind of casually let the players lead. They they could do whatever they wanted. The players led the program. With Mike Hopkins now, you have an established coach that absolutely is going to demand perfection, can handle those top recruits, and make sure that the inmates are not running the program. right? And, and that's the part where you look at this and say, I feel comfortable with Mike Hopkins. He could be the guy that makes this whole thing work. And eventually, you can become one of the powerhouse programs in the country because you have an established program, an established coach, a system in place that is going to allow these kids to thrive and not just come in and do whatever they want and ultimately not live up to their potential. Man, talking college basketball, May, is that is my heaven. <laughs> I, I love me some college hoops. It's, it's in the blood a little bit. Uh, coming up at 8.30, well, actually, it is past 8.30. Coming up next, it's time for Big If True. Seahawks predictions coming out for the upcoming season. We've already got our hands on one ridiculous one. You're going to have to hear that one next. Curtis Rogers, Stacey Ross, Jake Heap, Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. We need your questions on 710 ESPN Seattle. We need them. Because, I mean, what else are we going to do and, and ask us anything at 845? I mean, Please? Yeah, we're... Please, if I if we ask nice, will you send in text questions? Yeah, course like text lines, 710-710. It's there for you. We need those questions coming up in about 10 minutes from now. But uh, tonight, as we do every night at 830, uh, it's big if true. And this is where we look at something that really, really grabs our attention. And yesterday, it grabbed Stacy's attention so much so that she stopped whatever she was doing. Uh, probably I wasn't what? doing anything. Well, I was watching Bachelorette. I was I wasn't watching the Batch. Was it Monday? No, <laughs> yesterday. Uh, no, it'd been Tuesday then. So what were you doing Tuesday night? 
You could have been rewatching it. You could have uh, been. Did you have a clay face mask? No, on? I was watching something. I can't remember. I spend a lot of my time watching TV. Yeah. I was definitely on my couch. <laughs> <laughs> but it caught Stacy's attention. And so it, it's time for Crazy Seahawks prediction season. Stacy found one. So that brings us to tonight's Big If True. This can't be happening. Big. You can't be serious, man. If. Did, did he, he say, say that? that? True. History is going to change. The bottom line on the hottest opinions of the day. You cannot be serious. Tonight's Big If True comes to us from a fellow by the name of Mike Clay of ESPN, which, got to be honest, I had never heard of him until yesterday. He does the fantasy football stuff, I think. Okay. Mm. Which I... I I do dabble in fantasy football. Yeah, like he's the one that they had a uh, like a big fantasy football kind of like projections gathering thing a while ago, and he's the one that I think said Russell Wilson wasn't a top ten fantasy quarterback, which is oh, like wow. I could see why you'd say it. So I wasn't because the Seahawks to don't have a, a passing offense. Like yeah. I could see why someone yeah. would say that. Well, and sometimes a really good fantasy quarterback might not be on like a team that gets to a Super Bowl or even and this is why I don't pay, this is why I don't pay attention to fantasy football I know it's a huge it's thing and I know players love players, it not but teams. I I can I just can't get on board with it it's it just the whole concept of it I I, I guess just individual being, stats rather than the success of a team itself yeah just just me personally as a former player it's just not something I've ever I've tried it before and it just was something I didn't I never enjoyed so I know it's a huge market and all those all those things. I've also looked at, in my experience, uh, fantasy football experts, so to speak. They have an interesting. They have a very high opinion of themselves in terms of you know their evaluations, looking at the hard data versus you know what scouts and GMs look at, and and they very much see themselves in the same light that they could do that job in that same vein. So it's it's very interesting uh, when you have. Uh, fantasy football writers and making projections on football teams and players and, and, and respectively. Yeah, it's kind of like making projections on something based only on stats and no context. Correct. It's really hard player to Player A, talk. player B. Yeah, like I would never. So basically, to sum it up, he essentially gave the Seahawks. So he originally had this report come out in early May and then I think followed it up. But he has the Seahawks winning like six to seven games. I'm going to say 6-10. And in his original May 6th prediction, he had them losing like every single road game, which. And going 6 and 2 at home then? Yeah. That seems ridiculous. How can a team be that good at home and not have at least a little bit of Here's success? Here's my thing. And here's why, here's why it kind of annoys me. I'm sure he's a fine person, and it takes guts and time to put together your, projection, your projections for a team. So I'm not. I'm not like going to dog a guy and say like you shouldn't be able to do this, but it allows me to be able to say if I don't agree with it. And I'm not saying this as someone who thinks the Seahawks are going to a Super Bowl. I'm saying this as someone who just objectively speaking, it doesn't quite make sense to me. And I don't know why you would make – I don't know why you're doing this in the first place. Well, here's the that thing. That sounds like I'm being a hater. I am. Well, I'll be the first to admit let's, it. Let's be honest. I'm being a hater. I think this is absolutely ridiculous. I think Mike Clay coming out and saying this based off of stats and projections and all those things, look, they're, they're, you have validity in terms of individual stats and looking at that. But, but compiling a team together and, and saying this is what the output is going to be, this is what the numbers show – that is not football. Right. And thankfully, that's not how football is played. Uh, we, as a whole media, locally and nationally, 
looked at this Seattle team with Pete Carroll under a retooling year and said, this team is going to be 500 at best. A lot of people had them at 4-12, and and this team showed us from a coaching staff to players, showed us that we should never doubt this team. Yeah. Ultimately. And, this, and just as a side note, he has them ranked 32 in defense, which I do not what? think they're going to be that bad, 32. But here's yeah. here's what I'll say. I I debated whether or not I would even say this on air because I can't quite put it into a complete thought, but I'm just going to add a little bit of context to why I'm I'm bothered by this projection. Not only does it just not make a lot of sense, it's a bit inconsistent. He has Chris Carson with over 1,000 yards. And this is a 6-1 team, a running back with over 1,000 yards. Last year, he projected Chris Carson to get like 600-something and Rashad Penny to rush for more than he did. So, I mean, there's a lot that you don't get right. That being said, what sometimes annoys me about any kind of really confident projection, you're projecting Russell Wilson's yardage to the yard. He has him... <laughs> completing 302 of 463 attempts for 306 or 3663 yards, 28 touchdowns. I mean it's so which would be a dip from last year. It's so specific. The confidence with which people come out sometimes in sports media and say this stuff, I get it. There's a lot of stats to look at with sports, so it's easy to kind of take something from it. I I I'm playing this card, but I'm going to do it. As a woman in sports, and I know Ash can agree with me on our board right now. You second guess everything that you say. You second guess your place. You second guess the information you're taking in. You make sure there are no mistakes you're ever making, ever. And even then, the minute you say something wrong, the minute I say something wrong, someone will text in, who's the chick? Like, it without, without fail. I think that the reason this gets to me sometimes has nothing to do with the fact that I just do not agree with them at all. It has to do with like this kind of weird culture we've created of being able to go out there and make really bold predictions, and then when they aren't right, you you don't have to account for them at all. Oh, you're exactly right. You have my, your my same Clay, job. Well, Mike Clay could sit there and say, oh, yeah, I, I, look, these are just projections. I, I didn't have to. The confidence I, with which you can do that blows my mind. I correct. don't understand. That's the beauty of the Freezing Cold Takes Twitter account because people screenshot stuff like this Mike Clay fella who says the Seahawks are going to finish with six wins. And when the Seahawks ultimately come out and win between nine and 12 games this season, he's going to be made a fool because of his projections. Just as the people last year who said the Seahawks were going to finish with the number one draft pick in the NFL, and they were going to win four games, and they were going to go three and 13. But we do it year after year after year. Yeah. Jake, How we were just talking off-air off about the idea of like people leaning into this without fail even if it's wrong then they bring it up the next year and it's like it is just actually for that matter this reminds me of our conversation we had about training camp not seeing a lot of reporters out there because it's so geographically far away when we were debating whether or not the draft would be there right how can you write this about a team when you aren't there i've never seen you before in my entire life i've been covering this team for four but years the stats and the projections say that that's what they're going to be and that's the thing is you look at this and you look at this roster and I can see how people have questions and doubts about ultimately what this team can be because if you look at it and crunch it from a number standpoint, on the defensive line, who stands out to you? Who stands out? The guys that stand out are Jaron Reed and, and Ziggy Ansah, if he can be healthy. After that, from a number standpoint, you've got nobody who can generate sacks. When you look at your cornerback situation, you look about your safeties, there is, there is still little data out there that shows you that they can get the interceptions, they can get the turnovers, but that's not how this game is played. It's about development from year to year, and there's nobody better in the National Football League yep. other than Bill Belichick at developing players than Pete Carroll, and he has shown that, and last year was a great testament to that. And, oh, by the way, 
when you have Russell Wilson and you have Bobby Wagner, you're going to do great things. And those guys can get wins for you like other players in this league can't generate. And so never doubt a team with Pete Carroll, John Schneider, Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner. I certainly won't. I believe that this team ultimately will come together. Does it look scary at certain spots? Yes, but it's about development, and I think that's exactly where they're going to be, and that's why guys like Mike Clay miss it time and time again, and they'll just keep shooting, keep doing their data projections, and they'll get it wrong every single time. From the 206, it says, guys, sports talk wouldn't exist if people didn't speculate wildly about everything. No, and I totally get it, but here's the thing. What's a more interesting conversation? Completely ignoring everything you got wrong and then making predictions the next year or saying, here's what I got wrong. Here's why I think I got it wrong. Like, I expected uh, Rashad Penny last year to get 650 yards. He didn't. What did this teach me about it? Did this teach me that college stats don't always translate? I don't think so. That's a big jump. Did it teach me that Rashad Penny uh, had an issue adjusting? Maybe, but there's not a lot there. Then you get into different debates trying to look at that stuff. Where did I go wrong? Where did these projections go wrong? There's so much more that goes into talking about sports than looking at stats and talking about what went wrong, just like there's so much more that goes into a team being successful than having a handful of all pros on your roster. Jake, you know how you said you didn't, you, you haven't seen Fired Up Stacy. Yes, I just saw it. You did. And I loved it. Yes. Oh, I loved it, too. I loved it, too. finger guns. Yeah, that fire was brought here on Seattle <laughs> Way Sports to go, Stacey. I hope that it. felt good. Brought it. When we return, it is time for your text questions on the Coors Light text line. Ask us anything on Seattle Sports Night on 710 ESPN Seattle. You are listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. Stop. Russ said we're just getting started. Actually, we're just about to wrap up here on Seattle Sports at Night. Curtis Rogers and Stacey Rost and Jake Heaps, we're all here. I'm so used to just saying two of us, but all three of us are here tonight. Uh, Answering your text questions on the Coors Light text line. And uh, we've got a lot to get to. Uh, a lot of love for Stacy on the uh, on the text I'm line. I'm very popular. Yeah, you are. Uh, 206. It's my mom. Agree with Stacy 100%. 360, Stacy, I love you. 360, yo, Jake and Curtis, shut up and let Stacy talk. So, I mean, <laughs> gladly. I'll, and then I'm texting should, under my desk. Yeah. Passive aggressive things. Stacey's the smartest leave, person yeah. on the show. Stacey, don't you have a right 360 now. number? No. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. We'll let you finish this one out, Stacey. Okay. Yeah, so on the Coors Light text line right now, uh, let's see. What what do we got coming in? Uh, this one I'm I'm excited about. What did you do as a kid to impress other kids? I'll tell you what I did to start. Um, I used to, like, eat... It's not that I did this regularly. I did this in one instance was I ate an entire thing of Starburst without taking the wrapper off to like Ew. to be like, oh, look at me. I can eat paper. I'm not afraid of it. Ew. You're a kid. You're dumb. You do dumb things. What did you do? You've done dumb things I to have, be cool. Yeah. Uh, uh, man. You, know, you know when like. Uh, you see kids that turn into soup they're super annoying and they're trying to impress their friends and just become like yes. total jerks. Yeah. I've done yeah. that a time Aww, or two when no. I I'm Bully sure Jake. I'm sure I've turned into like really annoying Jake when uh when I had friends over when I was younger. Uh Guaranteed I would that happened. I would say probably like in my middle school days growing my hair out super long and, and like going through 
kind of like a skater phase, even oh, though yes. I, even though I wasn't a skater, but I had <laughs> yeah. long hair. I had still you had bands. long hair. Would you ever get frosted tips, like guy? No. Okay. That's that, that's I, a guy fear. I, I, I did I have believe long that's hair. why Curtis loves him so much. He respects the heck out I do. of him because <laughs> of the frosted tips. I had no joke. I'm. I swear to you guys, I had hair down to my shoulders. Stop. Did point. it? Was it like the Rachel? Did you flip oh. it? No. It was like uh, it was like Adam Morrison. From you should bring it back. Mm, Come on. I don't know if, I, I don't know the, if my hair can do from that. From the 206, Jake, what was the most high-pressure moment in your football career anywhere from Pee Wee to the pros? Uh, let's see. 2008 That's a good question, That's a good state question. championship, third and 14, down by seven with about four minutes left to go in the game. We were playing Issaquah, our crosstown rival, state championship game, uh, big-time moment. Uh, third down at third and long need need to convert here to try and score and get ourselves on top deep ball case and Williams right sideline I think it gets out of bounds at like the four yard line big time moment big time moment. I I tell you what there have been a lot of quarterback wide receiver combos in this state's history from yeah. the prep level to the pro level and like Jake I'm not just saying this to like Suck up to you or anything? I feel like you're saying this to try to be closer to Jake than I am. But, like, (laughs) you and Kaysen Williams, like, that is a pretty pretty notable duo in this state's history. Well, it was a lot of fun. I'll tell you what. And we were able to break a lot of records, do a lot of fun things, win three straight state titles together. That was pretty fun, man. I mean, we had a great time. And uh, those are memories that we'll never get back. And, and, and then you got to we'll play able together to and look back on. And then we got to play chance, together than pros. Yeah, I mean, got a chance to play together with the Seahawks. And that was a surreal moment. I'll, I'll never forget Casey Williams and I before one of our preseason games. I think it was Minnesota. Uh our lockers were actually together. They put our lockers together, Aww. and it was. Um, we looked at each other like, "Man, this is this is wild." We dreamt <laughs> we dreamt of moments like this. From the two five three, uh, what area or topic can you spend an unhealthy amount of time talking about, Curtis? I know yours is already uh, Jake uh, and Kason Williams. Yeah, Jake, yeah, yeah. what's yours? <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Mine uh, is any form of a. Like TV things, TV shows. In the royal family. The royal family. Yeah. Oh, my God. I could talk about them forever. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Any reality TV show for Stacey. Yeah, I could. Any reality show. Uh, for me, what I... What if it's something weird? Like something like uh, you're you're weirdly passionate about um, like a hobby or a celebrity or a, a band. Curtis, do you have one that isn't Jake? Yeah. Uh... It's Arizona basketball. It is. It's Arizona, Arizona basketball. basketball. It's the FBI it. investigation. Oh I God. will tell you this. <laughs> Christian Dawkins and Sean Miller were not on a wiretap. That is a fact. ESPN <laughs> ruined the career of Sean Miller in Arizona's recruiting class. Not counting football players. Who is the most famous person you've ever met? Uh, I've never met a famous person. Well, this is this is easy because of my relationship with Russell. Okay, being friends with him, I have gotten to meet Sierra. Okay, that okay, counts. yeah. And here's that the counts. hard part. Here's the hard part. Okay. okay, is Sierra right? Is Russell's wife, and you're friends with you're friends with Russell, and like the first couple times I've met her, it was like, okay, play it cool, play it cool. Like, like don't, I totally don't listen treat, to your music when I was. You are <laughs> you are a major celebrity, and. 
uh, like this is surreal right now, but you got to play that off. I've never really felt that in my life before, and I'm trying to like act totally cool, and especially around like my friend and and all that. It was just it was kind of a funny, weird moment all at the same time. So I had an interaction with Sierra at training camp this last year. You did, I did. Let's all talk about our Sierra interaction. So I was watching practice, and uh, Russell's stepson, Future Junior, comes up behind me. Yeah. And he's using me as shade that day because it was super hot outside. And he's using me as shade and he's doing his thing, whatever. I didn't notice that he was doing this, so I went to step back and nearly stepped on him. And Sierra noticed this and she swoops up Future Junior and, like, touches my arm and she's like, I, I am so sorry. And I was just like, hey, uh, don't worry about it, Sierra. You like, can still stand there. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, like, uh, you're, it's a, it's... you're a multi platinum recording artist. I'm just some schlub. <laughs> yeah, just some If you want yokel. to use me for shade, yeah, it's like, okay. Go right ahead. It's I get okay, it. Sierra. I get it. Mine was a moment of uh, That's awesome. walking by her. It was the first time I'd ever seen her there, so she was pushing a stroller because I think Baby Future was still Baby Future. And uh, she, like, we had to pass an awkwardly close distance to each other because it was kind of a tight area. So obviously we look at each other and she kind of smiles because you're passing a stranger. I didn't even realize it was her until afterward. So then, like, three weeks later, I pass her again in a not tight area. I'm just, she's just in my general vicinity. And I look over at her and I do that thing where I smile, like, oh, being polite again. And then she just, she looked for a minute like, what? Because she's probably thinking, like, does she know me? Like, why is she looking at me like a weirdo smiling in my face? Do I have time for one more? Yeah, you do. Okay. You have to give one answer. If you could take a bath in anything, what would it be? Pudding. (laughs) Red Robin campfire sauce or, well, okay, that or Chick-fil-A sauce. So I gave two answers. Okay. Two sauces. Yeah, two sauces. Jake. Money. Oh, Whoa! I could God, be swimming. That's so dirty. Money. <laughs> dirty. Yes. Like Scrooge McDuck over here. <laughs> put in the put in, put in the Benjamins. I hope swimming the money the is Benjamins. all pennies. It's one of those things where you make a wish and then the genie's like, "Oh, really?" There you go. That's, that's good. It. That's it for us here on this Wednesday night. Thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you're downloading the podcast 710sports.com. Click on podcast or on Apple Podcasts or Google Play, it is there for you every single hour of every single show of ours, right at your fingertips. That'll do it for us. We'll be back with you tomorrow night from 7 to 9. For Stacey Ross and Jake Heaps, I'm Curtis Rogers. This is Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle.